welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, here with another album review. This one is very much, uh, you know, a, a November album for me. I remember I was working at a company called World Savings as a mortgage loan processor. And I brought in, uh, I got from, I think it was Best Buy or Fry's Electronics, like a little MP3 player. And because um, I didn't have an iPod yet. And just these little, um, you know, little headphones. And I would uh, listen at work. And I was really into Cirque du Soleil at the time. I had gone up and I think I saw, I think it was when I saw Mystere. I got the soundtrack for O while I was up there. And uh, I started listening to it. It would have been around this time of year, which is why, you know, I always think about it around Thanksgiving and and that. But uh, it's a really cool album. It's a really good show. I didn't see the show for another couple of years because it was it's the most expensive one. Um, it The whole thing takes place in, in a giant pool of water. So it's very expensive to maintain as opposed to the other shows. And so the premium for the tickets, of course, is higher. Understandable, not complaining. And uh, but I put it towards the end of my list, because even though I was working a lot of hours, I didn't have a lot of money. And um, so I had to really plan out, you know, pretty much to the T what I was going to do when I when I went up to Vegas. So um, finally saw the show. Absolutely loved it. It was the one and only time I could not find my car of all the times I've ever parked at a hotel here. The only one time I could not find my car. I was stressed about getting to the show because I left a little bit late. I think I was staying at, I want to say I was staying at Treasure Island. So you have to take the strip up to the Bellagio because the only entrance to the parking garage is, is on the strip. A lot of the hotels have uh, back entrances that you can take or different roads that you could take to get to an entrance and avoid the strip. But the Bellagio in and out only the strip. It's the most miserable entrance and exit on that side of the street. So I didn't anticipate how the strip traffic was going to be. I got there later than I wanted to. So I was rushing. I went all the way up to the roof to park and um, it was raining, like all the factors, right? But I'm confident because I know, I know where I leave my car. And uh, just to be sure, I always take a picture of whatever the parking number is so that I know what section I'm in. Of course, I know I'm on the roof. So the roof isn't that big. Shouldn't be a problem. I know where the elevator's at. So I didn't take a picture. And I almost never look at the picture because I know where my car is. But in this case, I didn't take the picture because the roof parking was pretty minimal. And I'm like, I know where it is. No problem. And I just kind of rushed into the hotel because also uh, from the parking garage, like you have a whole ways to go before you get to where the theater is. So I'm kind of rushed and I'm just like, all right, just go, just go, you know, hurry up. Didn't take the picture, was sure I knew what I was doing. And yeah, for sure. When I got out of the show, I went back up to the roof. I'm like, oh, my car is, um, huh, the roof is bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> and it's a different elevator. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a whole crazy thing, but the only time I've ever lost my car, but I did make it to the show on time. And, um, First of all, the, the theater atmosphere is really interesting because it's kind of dark, not in a lack of light way, but just kind of like the motif is a little bit dark and mysterious. You really kind of don't know what you're looking at exactly. Um, it looks like it could be all about death and dismemberment or maybe not. You just don't know. 
And um, but the theater is absolutely beautiful, very comfortable. Um, it's a little bit more. I don't remember where I sat the first time. Uh, the second time I went, I got to sit in one of the um, the little balconies. But the the first time, I can't remember exactly where I sat. But in any case, it's just it's a mesmerizing theater. The atmosphere is absolutely incredible. It's every show that you go to, the atmosphere is different. Like Mystere is just crazy. You have no idea what's going to happen. Ka, you get the sense that you're just in another land altogether. Um, the Beatles love you're just trying to understand where all the ramps go and all that. It's like everything is different. But the Beatles is like a happy environment. Um, but yeah, O is kind of like really dark and you really are like, what am I getting into here? What is this show going to be about? And um, I'm not going to tell you the story of the show because, you know, go see it. That's the best way to experience this. It's really something you just have to see. But I will say the music is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, regardless of where you're sitting, the band is over to the left, mostly in an enclosed room. Uh, you'll get Dina, the cellist, will come out and perform at points. But uh, for the most part, you really don't see a lot in the way of the musicians, which is, you know, partially it's good because you're really focusing on the show on the stage. There's so much happening. But in a way, it's like, yeah, I kind of want to appreciate the band as well. You know, you could see some of the electronics lit up through the glass, but uh, you really don't get a sense of the band very much at all. So um, we're going to get into the soundtrack. And uh, I will say that the the weather outside right now, it's very windy. Um, it's been very, very windy all day. So it's kind of like perfect for me to have picked tonight to do this album review. It's been on my list for a while and I meant to get to it um, a little bit earlier this this season. But you know what? Uh, things got crazy. It fell where it fell. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the uh, bonus interviews that I've been doing lately. Um, really cannot wait to have John back on the show, um, have a couple other guests scheduled before the end of the year. So hopefully all will pan out and, uh, everybody can get on the show. If not, you know, it's not like the show ends at the end of the year. We just flip to a new season and now it's January. Uh, speaking of seasons, I d have not done actual seasons for this show because I just figured it's just going to start and it's just going to keep going. But when I moved the show over to the new host, there was a spot for the season. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I at least break it up by year? And I can say, okay, we're going into our you know seventh year, the seventh season. Um, we're wrapping up year six now. But the first year, to be fair, I, I think I started in September or so, the podcast. So the first year was really short. And then, um, you know, obviously it's been a full year. In earlier years, I would go, you know, two or three weeks sometimes without doing a show. Um, just because of all the other things I had going on. But now I last year, at least I think I've been pretty consistent, except for when I had to put the show on hiatus to do the moving because I had to upload all the episodes manually. And there was 350 some at the time. So um, unless I sneak another one in, this will be episode 373. So been quite a few shows over the last, um, you know, six and a quarter years, five and a quarter years, because that would be the sixth year. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to get to this one earlier, but I didn't. And now I'm doing it and I'm excited because this is just the perfect night. And let's get into the first song. Now, before I play the songs, um, Cirque du Soleil has their own language. It's called Circish. And it is completely made up. It's gibberish. The, the words don't mean anything. What the composers do, if I understand it right, and and if you listen to my episode on my Camu Vole album, this was the strategy that I used was to just take syllables and put them where the words go instead of trying to form words with meanings, just put syllables and put something that sounded interesting or 
fit well in the flow as opposed to writing words and then putting them in a flow. So uh, it's a little bit different. I'm sure each of the cert composers does things their own way, but that's the way that I chose to do it. Um, anyway, it's very interesting because you get feeling from the words. And this is why I learned to really not pay attention to lyrics a whole lot. Between this music and music that I listen to from all over the world, like Africa and China and Japan, um, those words don't mean anything to me because I don't know their languages. So to me, the instrument of voice is just that it's become an instrument. Obviously, if it's, you know, rock and roll or something that I know or something I grew up with, I still know the words, uh, 80s music. Um, well, those lyrics are failing me these days. But um, in any case, uh, that's how it, it works for Cirque du Soleil. So the titles are also gibberish, most of them. So I'm not going to pronounce most of the titles because I don't know how to say them. And uh, you guys all know how bad I am with language, even though I'm a podcast host. Uh, you know, names of things are are often difficult for me. So I'm just going to say here is song one. to say for a large production show opening, that is not music I would have expected. And it told me that there was probably going to be a lot more emotion in the show than, you know, like a lot of visual um, acrobatics and stuff. I mean, you know, that there's going to be some of that, but it, it told me that there was going to be more emotion in it. And I, I like that tone, especially for the theater. It really fit. Um, there's just something about the, the atmosphere in this particular music, the cello and piano especially. Um, there's a little bit of percussion and vocals that come in a bit later in the song from where the clip ends that I played. But yeah, it, it definitely said this is going to be different than what you're used to. And I think I had already seen, I think I'd seen pretty much everything except the Michael Jackson show at that point. I'd seen Zumanity, Mystere, Ka, The Beatles' Love, yeah, this was the last one that that I saw um, of the shows that were up here at the time. So yes, it was definitely different, a very unexpected opening. And it was intriguing to me because it didn't come out all explosive and boom, there's going to be a big show and you're going to see stuff and all that. It was definitely a different feeling. So I'm going to move on to guess what? Song number two.
So this soundtrack overall has a combination of, you know, vocals, music like this, some ethnic instruments in it. You definitely feel some ethnicities in the overall sound of the score, but it's uh, it's got a great feel to it. I love the way this is mixed. There's something about this, though, where it it's got a good pulse, but it feels kind of mellow at the same time. And I really like that because I think normally you would be pushing that bass drum to, you know, thump the chest and really make the song powerful. But I like that it kind of has a bit of a mellow sheen over it. That makes me happy. Um, but it's a great sounding album, you know, as, as we'll hear throughout the whole thing. Um, I did cut off the beginning of this because, the you know, it was almost a minute before it got to really into the vocal sections. And I wanted you to hear that to get a sense of the soundtrack a little bit better. So I only uh, included that first portion of the vocals and then into that. So uh, when you get the album, you'll hear a longer intro to this one. And it's a, it's a fun song, though. It's got a good beat to it. A lot of percussion, a lot of toms. I love the deep, rich sound of the toms in this. But the vocals are outstanding. Um, you know, all the little instruments that just kind of come in and out, uh, which is very, very common for Cirque du Soleil music. I always find that fascinating because there's just there's always something new to listen to. And that's really cool. But this this is kind of like what I would have expected for the intro more, something that had that upbeat energy to it, um, which we did not get in the in the first song with the piano and the cello. So uh, interesting lead in. But this is kind of where I th- would have thought we would have started, you know, something bigger and more explosive, introducing characters or kind of setting up the story or something visually, you know, that would require something a little more up tempo to keep the the story moving. But uh, in any case, the, yeah, this is a great song. It's one that I've always really liked. Another one I've always really liked is song number three. This is such a good song. I I let the clip go a little bit longer because I wanted you to hear that uh, chorus and then going back into how it solos. This is full of solo, this song. Um, I don't know what that instrument is. It sounds like it's a saxophone, but it could be something else. But whoever's playing it sounds like they're having a hell of a time. Um, There's so much solo throughout the song. And then it goes back into that uh, section again. Really energetic, really powerful song. This is the song through that year, that, that, uh, holiday season, I remember I would get in the car, get ready to head to work. It's early in the morning. I don't want to go in cause I know I've got a long day ahead of me. And this is the song that I would put on when I, you know, like when I would first get going, 
because this would wake me up. It would energize me. It would help get me through that earlier part of the day, or at least the first three minutes of the drive. <laughs> anyway, um, fortunately, I lived fairly close to uh, the office, so my my ride wasn't that long. But um, you know, always a daunting thing when you start your work day when you've uh, you know when you're really busy because this was in the middle of the refi boom. So it, there were a lot of twelve and fourteen hour days, um, a lot of Starbucks too, as I recall. And I wondered why I didn't have any money. Um, so yeah, great song. Definitely one of my favorites from this album. We're going to move on now to another song. This is the fourth song on here. And this is one I can pronounce because it's called Africa. Offense to Benoit Jatris or the performers on this song, but this is one I don't like, and, and I pretty much skip it. Um, it's interesting, like as a musician, uh, it's interesting to listen to it, especially just the way that this the the guitar or, or banjo is plucked. But it's just not a song that I care for. Um, style of music is not in my wheelhouse. I don't like the vocals. Um, it I, I remember it fit whatever was in the show. And I think it might've just been like, you know, a guy just, you know, passing the time or, or singing his little song, whatever it was, I can't remember, but it's it like the music fit the visual. So no problems there, but it's just, I just don't really care for it. So I skip it. And, uh, but I will say it's a killer performance. Whoever was the one that recorded the, the guitar and the mandolin or the uh, banjo on this was absolutely a phenomenal player. Um, it is a great take for the vocals. I, it's just not my kind of song. So uh, that will bring us to song number five, and it goes like this. This song, I have to tell you, at seven minutes and 17 seconds takes quite a journey. Um, what you're hearing is just one fraction of it, really. Um, it, it just goes into all these different things. You can hear a little bit of gentle snare drum in the background there. 
um, really moody, really emotional song. And this is what, you know, I, I get from a good chunk of the show is this kind of feeling. Um, there's a very common theme here, too, for the drums where there's just that bass drum pulse, right? Where it just on the one, two, three and four is just boom, 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 boom at, at different tempos. And you get a couple different tempos in this song, which is pretty cool. Um, but it fades in from the previous song, which, you know, what we heard of the the banjo part and all that, it actually goes into another part um, that fades into this song. And then this kind of um, trails out. But it's a it's a really cool song. It's a long piece, but it does not feel very long at all. It feels like it's only a couple minutes to me because it's evolving and changing quite a bit. And it's it's always interesting what you're hearing. Like I said, just the very it, almost like the setup, like you're reading the table of contents. And then uh, then the book is a whole bigger bigger project. But uh, yeah, a cool song. And our next song is uh, one of my other absolute favorites on this album. So let's take a listen. So I started this song a couple minutes in because it's got a very, very long build. And I really wanted you to hear that verse and in, in the transition into the chorus. Um, really love the vocals on this one and the energy of the drums. There's also just that really deep bass guitar, which I love. And then I don't know if they're playing a tuba or a trombone with the bass, but there's something else going on there um, that you heard, especially in the last section as it faded out, that I really like. Um, felt very old school circus style music. But yeah, this is such a cool soundtrack. I really dig it. This one is like a party song to me. I mean, it's just a, a celebration of like people getting together and unity and harmony and, you know, whatever they've overcome. I don't remember the visual of what was happening during the show. I honestly don't remember that much about the show. It's like little bits and pieces. Um, I know my friend Marcus Weiss, who uh, was on the show uh, in the first year, I think. Um, he is one of the people that plays like the hobo clowns, which is a, a pretty important role because that's a very long section of the show. Um, and he still does that uh, filling in occasionally. But uh, yeah, this is this is definitely one of my favorite songs. Really good energy. Love that party-ish vibe that it has to it. Um, really fun, really fun song. Um, so that's going to bring us to another song I can kind of pronounce. It's called Nostalgia. 
This is going back to that emotional opening that we had with the first song. But this also, I think this song would have fit well on, on the Alegria soundtrack as well. It, the voice sounds very much like Francesca. I don't know who sang on the soundtrack. Um, I wasn't able to find any definitive information on who did what. But yeah, this is um, this is a really beautifully sung song. And musically, it's very simple, but it just hits all the emotional planes, right? And you can tell that just in this little sample, it's pretty much, you know, basically what you get out of the rest of the song, but um, definitely has a, a pleading feel to it or a, you know, here's what I've been through kind of vibe. And uh, I love the emotional delivery from both the music and the vocalist. Just absolutely fantastic. Our next song, uh, you know, I we're back to things I can't pronounce again. It's called, for my purposes, Song 8. So if the other song was a party song, that was like the adult party. And this is the kids just coming in, jumping on tables, throwing light bulbs around for no reason, putting lampshades on the head. Uh, Just an insane, insane visual I get for this one. Um, Really fun song, though. Really upbeat. I love it. I love the energy of it. I love the snare beat on this. Uh, Really cool stuff. But what's really interesting is that as this song goes on for a while with this, you know, level of uh, energy and excitement, it then transitions. I'm going to play you the end of the song because I think this is a really fascinating thing to go from point A to point B.
I just love that. I mean, it, it was crafted so beautifully the way that that flows from the, you know, big party scene into this. Really love just that old uh, circus feeling, but also that epic soundtrack sound when the strings come in. Really super cool. Um, both sections of the song are absolutely fantastic. That whole transitionary period in between, just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, so that was song uh, eight. If you want to check that out when you get your copy of the album, which you should just get because it's really good. But we're going to move on now to song number nine out of 13. <laughs> What's really interesting about this one to me is that it sounds, you know, you get the feeling that it's Oriental vocals, you know, something from the East, but you also get a kind of Southern or African feel to it at the same time, which is really a, a really weird combination. But I love the sound of this song for that. The vocal tracks are incredibly emotional, very beautifully done. I love the layers and the tones. Just a really cool piece. Again, going back to that more emotional side. So we've had another party scene. Now we go back to the emotional uh, ties from the opening theme. Uh, just a very, very beautiful piece of music. Uh, one that I listen to over and over again. Sometimes, honestly, you know, it's not for me, it's not always about the faster songs or the more intense songs or whatever. It's it's just about things that I enjoy hearing. And this is one that sometimes when it's over, I'll hit you know, back and uh, and hear it again because it's just got such a beautiful feel to it. I, I absolutely love it. It's a stunning piece of music. And that will bring us to song number 10, another one I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try.
this is probably the most Genesis sounding song on the album. Um, really more progressive, very interesting. You're really hearing a lot more synth than we are through the rest of the album. There's some synth strings that come in as well that have a, a really nice blend and texture. But this is probably the more most experimental, I feel, song. But the opening of it, honestly, the opening could have very much been the opening to the show. Just this happy little, you know, trotting through the garden kind of sound to it, whimsical little uh, bits from the flute. But they put it later on in the album, or Benoit did, I should say. And um, I only met him once over the internet. Um, very nice guy. This would be back in the days of MySpace. And uh, just had a nice little introduction to him. And um, that was it. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, one day I'll be able to get him on the show. Who knows? But uh, yeah, he's done some stuff I really like. And um, this soundtrack is is definitely, for me, one of his best that I've heard. I haven't heard everything he's ever done, but um, a lot of that I've heard, all obviously, the Cirque stuff and the stuff that he did for uh, Steve Wynn for the soundtrack for uh, La Rev. But yeah, this is a, a song that's really a journey, you know, um, starting out with the, the little happy part and then just going into this, you know, synthesizer and then more of like a heavy cinematic rock thing. Really cool. Another one that's just a, a really good journey. And it's, you know, four and a quarter, four and three quarter minutes. So it's uh, it's got some time to take you to some really cool places and it does not disappoint. I will say that. So that brings us to our, what are we on now? Our 11th song out of 13, and this one's called Desert. This one's another epic journey. I mean, at seven minutes and 53 seconds, when you're scoring, you know, live action, it's it's got to be a lot of stuff has to happen in that time. And the one thing I do recall now that I'm, I'm hearing this is there was a scene, I think, that was part of this song where uh, there's a bunch of people in a boat and the boat is on the water and it is like super crazy rough seas. There's a storm going on. I know that happened in Ka, but I think there was a similar scene in O. Um, I can picture like the the background and the boat being like a greenish blue. But in any case, um, really cool music. A, a, a lot of ups and downs in this song. But like I said, it's almost eight minutes. So it's got to have uh, a lot happening in it. So you can listen to this little sound clip that I played, which is a minute of the song. So like one eighth of it. Um but that's, I mean, that's nothing compared to the rest of the song. It's just like I could have snipped out any one minute and it would be a completely isolated situation from everything else that happens in the song. Really cool, though. You know, it starts out where, where you think, OK, well, this is like 
the calm before the final storm. You know, we're on song 11 out of 13. We're getting towards the end. So we have to have that, you know, reflection and then the action. And then we're getting ready for the resolution and then the ending. And this song, I think, delivers on on all those parts. Lots of conflict and turmoil. And that brings us to song 12. Sounds like the wind is kicked up outside. I love nights like this. Um, so this is a uh, very interesting song. Lots of energy, again, as we're ending the show. But that opening, you know, that throaty voice singing, boy, you hear a lot of that. If you get TikTok videos or Instagram videos in your, in your news feeds, there's a lot of just that, uh, whatever that pirate song is, that's really slow and deep tone. There's a lot of this kind of, vocal tone singing um, that I hear these days. But this is 2006. So this is way before TikTok and Instagram. Um, I think I think Facebook was around, but um, certainly not as big as it is now. This probably would have still been a like the MySpace era, if I remember right. Could be off, though. But um, yeah, this is a great song, great energy, a great way to end the show. Um, I don't remember specifically much about what was going on on stage. I just remember there was a lot happening. It was like your eyes don't even know where to go because there's so many different things happening around you. So there's a challenge when it comes to that because you, you want to see everything, you know, you've paid good money. There's so much happening. You want to soak it all in, but you literally like, you just can't see everything. It's not even possible. You could probably go two or three times and catch just about everything, if not all of it. But, you know, you're going to look at some stuff that you've already looked at. And, it, you know, it's it's a challenge. But in any case, a great, great ending to the show. Uh, fantastic music on this one. Very energetic. And, it, you know, it, it leaves the people feeling satisfied and, and excited. And, yes, we made it through this journey in this crazy, you know, darkish, creepy theater. But then we get to our final song. Now, let me just say, I love this piece of music. I absolutely love this piece of music. I'm tempted to play the whole thing, but I'm not going to because it's kind of against my policy here. But I would say that purchasing this album is worth this song alone. That's how beautiful I think it is. I think it's one of Benoit's best pieces. And the beauty of it is it's very simple. It's not a difficult piece. It's not crazy. There's not a lot of stuff that goes on. It is just pure emotion. And it is simply called Oh.
Yeah, I can't remember now if this was when everyone comes out and takes their bows. I think it was. And I think I remember thinking, I think I remember thinking that it was kind of weird to have that go on to this music. Like this should be the music after, like when people are coming out and everyone's cheering for them and stuff, like that should be upbeat, exciting music, right? Like the show's over. We've all been through this journey together. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. You know, that kind of thing. But I want to say for some reason that that when I saw it, they came out to this song instead. And I, I, I could swear that's what happened, but I could be completely wrong. So don't hold me to that because, you know, that was a long time ago. Last time I saw the show was probably six years ago or so. Um, so it's been a while. And um, yeah, fantastic, fantastic show. If you're in Vegas, if you have um, the opportunity, it's one I would definitely recommend. Um, the three that I like the most, I would say, would be Mystere, Ka, and O. Um, Zumanity was one I absolutely loved, but that bit the dust with COVID. They replaced that with uh, Mad Apple, which I have not seen. It looks to me... It doesn't look interesting to me, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Um, it looks like they just took bits from all the other shows and threw another show together. And I, you know, these shows are huge. Like, they're really individual. They have storylines. They have different theaters. They have all kinds of stuff. And every show should be special. It shouldn't be like a best of. And that's what I feel like that show is. From the clips I've seen, from, you know, the ads and stuff, I'm just, yeah, I'm not really interested in that one. The Michael Jackson show, I have also not seen. You know, I I have great respect and appreciation for what he did as an artist for the music industry, but I'm just not a big fan of his music. Like, I'm just not really that into it. Obviously, there's some good songs. You know, Billie Jean, especially Beat It's a Good Song. Um, but overall, like, I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of his music. So for me to go spend 80 bucks or whatever it is to go see... Um, you know, a show that's based around his music is, you know, not that exciting to me. But I have heard wonderful things about it. Um, love the Beatles show over at the Mirage, which I have heard is staying. Even with all the changes to the Mirage, I've heard that the show is staying. I hope that's the case because it is an amazing show. It was um, approved by uh, Paul, George, and Ringo. Sir George Martin mixed the music specifically for the theater. Uh, since he has passed, his son comes and maintains that, from what I've heard. I don't know how often now, because, you know, once it's dialed in, it's dialed in. But, um, yeah, it's an amazing show. Absolutely amazing show. So, you know what? All right, screw it. I'm going to play a little more of the song where it gets in when the, uh, when the drums come in, or I should say the percussion because uh, it's just such a beautiful piece of music and I want to share a little bit more of it with you guys. So here's a little more of the last piece. Oh. Absolutely beautiful. Just beautiful. Um, now, when Cirque comes to your town, and they travel all around the world with various shows. The shows that they tour with are, are great. They really are. But they're different because they have to be able to make them mobile. So they can't be 
you know, there's certain limitations they have when they have to, you know, put everything together, make sure it's all safe, and then tear it down, move to another town, do the same thing. When you have resident shows, it's a little bit different. You can do a lot more. You can do a show like, oh, that has, you know, 80,000 gallons of water or whatever it is, 60,000, I think, um, because you're not moving it. And for all those people who have said to me, oh, yeah, I saw, oh, when it came to my, no, you didn't. This show has never been anywhere but Vegas because it is a ridiculous task to move 80,000 or 60,000 gallons of water. So no, you haven't seen that unless you came to Vegas. Um, Zumanity did have a little bit of a water thing. There was, a, a, I think, like a giant champagne glass that two of the girls were swimming in. But apart from that, yeah, not a lot of water in the shows. Um, it's kind of dangerous unless you have a giant swimming pool. So yeah, beautiful show. Go see it if you get the chance. Um, check out their shows on the road, but realize that there is a difference between the touring shows and the resident shows because, like I said, th there's just there's things that they can build into a theater that they just cannot make mobile and be efficient or safe or cost effective. So the resident shows are a little bit special. They're a little different. So even if you've seen a show like in your town, if you enjoyed it and you come to Vegas, I would highly recommend booking a ticket at one of these shows because they're pretty phenomenal. Uh, again, I can't speak to Michael Jackson because I haven't seen it, but all the other shows, uh, absolutely stunning, top-notch. Oh, also uh, Mad Apple. I can't speak to that any more than I already have. So that's it, guys. Uh, check out this album. Grab it. It's available on iTunes. It's available on Amazon. It's probably on your streaming services. And um, the links are in the show notes for Amazon and iTunes. And uh, again, listen to that ending of the last song. Oh, it's very powerful. Um, I'm not going to spoil that for you. I gave you a little, I gave you a couple of tastes. That's more than I usually do. Um, but the ending, honestly, just going through the journey of the album, getting to that last song and those last notes are just so powerful to me, no matter how many times I've heard them. Even if I don't listen to the whole album, even if I just listen to the song, oh, very, very powerful, really good stuff. So thank you for hanging with me on this journey through Cirque du Soleil's O soundtrack written by Benoit Jatras, released in 2006. Go see the show at the Bellagio Hotel in Vegas. You don't have to stay at the Bellagio uh, Hotel to go see the show. You can stay anywhere you want. You can walk, you can Uber, you can taxi. Um, maybe by the time you get here, they'll have some kind of like human drone delivery service. I don't know. The way this town is going, anything is uh, anything is up for grabs at this point. Have a great Thanksgiving, folks. Let's see. Actually, when is this going to air? Let me double check the date because I think it's already. Oh, it'll be after Thanksgiving. Well, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving if you live in the States. If not, I hope whenever you celebrate Thanksgiving, it was great or will be great, depending on the time of year you're listening to this. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>